Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Sarah McKenna of Sequentum. Sarah's long experience at the cutting edge of process automation has been perfect preparation for her work at Sequentum, a company which hedge funds and other enterprises use to web scrape and prepare their data. In our conversation, Sarah and I talk about intelligent process automation's move towards hyper-automation and the varied purposes to which Sequentum's offering can be lent. I began by asking Sarah how she had first come into the alternative data world. So I was um, I was recruited from uh, from from Vitech into QL2, which is a web data uh, scraping company. Um, they needed an automation platform to automate their data collection, and that's where I shifted from um, from QA testing automation to data automation. And I did a technical turnaround for them uh, over a period of uh, you know two years. And that's how I came across WorldQuant. Because I started to realize, um, you know, full circle, how this data was being used uh, by hedge funds. And I saw the press about Third Point. Um, I saw how they were looking to incorporate data. I saw how uh, hedge funds that were not using data-driven decision-making were not getting the investments that they normally would get. And I saw how important it was to bring this automation to the alternative data space. And it's really where I came across alternative data was at QL2. And um, I positioned myself as the product manager for alternative data. So, so just, just we're in 2015 to 2017. So it's kind of the early days of alternative data in some ways. And you were just kind of getting a feeling that this was coming. Yes, I saw it, uh, and that's how I came across uh, WorldQuant. Um, I was pitching them on our technology, the technology at QL2. I was pitching them on uh, my automation platform and my approach to, uh, again, it was a very, uh, very laser focus on quality, data quality as well, given my background. Um, and... Uh, you know, apparently the the call with WorldQuant was a phishing exercise. They were trying to understand what QL2 had because they were investing in Sequentum. Um, and it was just this lucky thing where uh, I, you know, was trying to so sell them on to, our you tech. Were, you were, you, yeah, you were trying to sell the product to them and they were trying to buy you. Yes. And apparently they, they the, the, the person at WorldQuant hung up the phone and called uh, someone at another hedge fund that I had a meeting with the following week and said, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to change my mind on Sequentum. Their tech is obviously better than what QL2 has, but I really want that woman to come over and run Sequentum. <laughs> she really knows nice. what she's doing. Nice. <laughs> so that's what, that's and good. the next day QL2 sold all of their uh, contracts to a competitor and shut down the New York office. So I was suddenly available. It was meant to be. It was, it was meant from, to be. And all of my worlds, all my past career history converged. And suddenly I was leading uh, 
what you know what I think is you know by far uh, the best in class platform for this type of automation. Well, it's a it's a very happy story so far. Then um, tell me tell me then let's introduce Sequentum. What is it that the the company does? Was it has it changed since two thousand seventeen, or is it is it is it um, the same story that you joined? So it's it's changed significantly. So when I when I came in, uh, they were selling B two C software. Um, you know, the focus was really on the desktop client, um, and it didn't have any of the uh, data quality features. It didn't have any of the reliability checks and balances that you need. What did it do uh, for da- data, web data collection? So you can point and click at a website, uh, identify the elements you want to extract data from, and iterate through lists and collect data. So it's B two C. So back in 2017, it was uh, me, Joe Blogs on the street, could could buy your product, and that would allow me to go to any website and essentially scrape um, all of it, and then then have it, have all the data on my on my computer. Then I could start like manipulating it how I wanted. Is is that right? That's right. So if you were interested in monitoring um, airline, you know, competitive, uh, you know, how airlines were competing with one another, you would collect information from online travel agencies um, and you would use this, you know, but it, 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 it's, it's, it's one thing to write uh, what we call an agent, intelligent agent. It's one thing to write it and have it work on the day that you write it. It's a, quite another thing to keep it running day after day after day. Mm. And that's where the real challenge comes in. And that's where my background in um, testing and automation and quality assurance, um, I think, really uh, you know, added value because I could bring in all of those uh, systems and metrics, um, all of the ongoing quality monitoring. And that's what we built. So we came out with an enterprise product in January of 2018. Mm-hmm. Just, just quickly, do you mean, for example, that uh, you know, when you make the thing, then you understand all the coding languages that's used, all the whatever the plugins, the streaming, whatever is going into a website in 2017 when you're making that product, then you can create the point and click for that function to work. Then, but then in 2018. You know, all the all the all the um, programs get updated. Someone starts using a new form of, I don't know, a, like a new streaming product, and so um, you need to build that flexibility into your into your system to be to be ready for the changes, the technical changes that come to how the internet works, for example. You need to make it very easy to see that the website has changed and that you need to modify your agent. Yeah. If they have window dressing for the holidays, for example, you might you might need to make a change. So we 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 built in um, it, it's many things, right? You need to know that there's a change. You need to track the changes in a transparent way so you can move forward and roll back. You have to give tremendous amount of independence to the to the teams who are uh, maintaining these things. But then couple that with monitoring to make sure everything is going well. You need to have a steady release process. You need to release changes very quickly when a new um, capability is needed, 
when you need to roll something new in. And when you release a tool like this, where you have tens of thousands of agents running on this platform, you need to have ironclad quality assurance processes to make sure that you don't break anything. This is like, you know, in the agile software world, you have um, all this chatter about continuous integration, continuous development, where they're always releasing. Mm. We're always releasing, but instead of releasing to test against one product, we're testing against every website, every protocol, and every blocking service that's out there. And okay. It's, okay. A, it's a big challenge. So, you know, you need to build the mechanisms to actually achieve that. And have quite a big team, quite a big team working on it as well. We a have a team. good team. We use a tremendous amount of automation to make sure that um, our software is uh, up to par. And um, we have, you know, obviously we've been around for a decade. So our, um, you know, our technical prowess in this, in this realm is really unmatched. Um, we have, okay. um, you know, our, our expertise is, is uh, you know, just tremendous. Um, our CTO has supported over 5,000 um, customers over the last decade, all of their feature requests, um, all of their suggestions, all their feedback. That's a lot of learnings. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, a great platform to, 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 be, to be shooting from. Um, and so you were saying, you, 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 when you joined, you were very much B2C, so you're very much focused on individual consumers, and then you launched an enterprise uh, business. And so is that... We did two things in January of 2018. Um, we, well, three things, really. We decided that the old um, products were unsustainable. Uh, they were being sold at a very low price point, um, and the, you know, the founders were really operating, uh, you know, at a loss in terms of the support and liability. So we came out with um, a design for an enterprise platform that we thought everyone needed. And, you know, that would have all of the monitoring and reliability checks in place. Um, and it took us eight months to release the first version of that. We didn't release that until August of 2018. And in the meantime, in order to fund the, um, uh, the development of that platform and to, uh, you know, make sure that we were getting continuous feedback from the real world into that process, um, we launched bespoke services. So we signed a number of uh, hedge funds and investment teams for bespoke services, and we used and, and basically delivered, uh, you know, a la carte uh, data feeds to them according to their requirements, um, and we used those funds to to develop and perfect the platform. So you saw. Um... I mean, so when it was a B2C thing, it wasn't necessarily so relevant for alternative data, but you saw alternative data as kind of being a opportunity and an exciting, exciting space. And so you start, and obviously you'd worked in hedge funds mm -hmm. yourself mm -hmm. before. And so you saw this as a, as an opportunity to bring what Sequentum had been doing for seven years or eight years by that time yes. to mm -hmm. this, this fast-growing and exciting area in the market? Well, the thing about alternative data is that, you know, these investment teams, they, uh, you know, the ones that we worked with who were real experts already at that time, um, they knew how to create value out of this data and therefore they could spend. 
So we could close reasonably, uh, you know, healthy sized contracts um, in the alternative data space. And we knew that if we perfected our offering for alternative data, that really the alternative data, um, uh, you know, leaders were really just early adopters, corporates, um, you know, government agencies, they all have a need for this as well. So, you know, our focus uh, was on alternative data at meeting the needs because they, they had budgets, um, but also mm. they were incredibly knowledgeable and rapid about uh, adoption and, and feedback. For sure. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just, just bring it back to exactly what it is that Sequentum does. So it's a web scraping company, which also has a huge amount of automation around. Yes, it's intelligent process automation. What is that? And how is it different to, to RPA, which is the phrase I was familiar with before? Right. Well, RPA is robotic process automation. Uh, and that is, you know, very close to what we do. Intelligent process automation is when you bring in forms of AI to that RPA process. Um, and the way we do that at Sequentum is it's very, very easy for us to integrate third-party AI services like sentiment scoring, for example, um, or image analytics. Uh, we can go to any of the services that exist right? There seems to be a flavor of the month where one is better than the other. Um, and you can enrich your data using these services. So sentiment scoring, image analytics, uh, entity extraction, keyword extraction, any kind of classification um, you can do using our automation platform. You can easily tie in those services. Um, the other thing about our platform, which is intelligent, is of course how we make it all point and click easy. Um, and we have all kinds of productivity enablers that are that are very intelligent. Um, but this is relevant um, when you think about sort of where we sit um, in the technology landscape. Um, Gartner for 2020 said one of the one of the uh, top 10, actually the number one technology trend for 2020 uh, is is what they call hyper automation, which is this intelligent process automation. It's uh, intelligent, reliable automation that incorporates um, AI. Fantastic. Sounds like, a, sounds like a great place to be. Next, I think usually after hyper, then the next one's going to be called smart something. I, th- I think. That's <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay, great. So you're using IPA. Um, um, what are you using it for? For web scraping and really any data automation that you need. So if you have a trove of data that that you need cleaned up or restructured, we can write the automation that will go and iterate through all of that for you. Our our 85% case is web scraping for sure. Okay. And, and and yeah. And so just to just to dwell quickly on the automation let let, let us um you so when you're cleaning data um then a lot of it it strikes me that a lot of cleaning data is judgment calls. You know, what am I going to do with um, with each column, for example? Am I going to am I going to you know how am I going to fill in the missing values? Things like that. Um, that are maybe being a bit simplistic here, but a lot of it seems to be, for example, what a data scientist does in when he has to clean the d- data. He has to actually think about mm-hmm. make make calls in order to not lose what's what's important. How does it how does that fit with an automation model? 
Well, this is just, this harks back to, you know, the, you know, quality assurance roots um, of our product strategy. Uh, you know, requirements are a source of great pain if you don't get it right. So part of our engagement strategy is to uh, drill down into each column and define with the customer exactly what uh, data type to expect, what attributes of the data type, value ranges, uh, format, syntax, uh, anything that can be defined um, as a validation rule um, is done so as part of the agent development process. And then, of course, we automate it to make it extremely simple and easy and quick to do. Uh, so you have a single UI that allows you to move down uh, a list of fields that sh it shows you sample data for each field. Um, so you don't have to, you know, switch screens and do all kinds of checking. Um, you can see right there on the screen in one place exactly what you're dealing with and what are the rules that you can set to make sure you're getting what you expect. And then we have uh, tolerance thresholds, right? If you're dealing with a buggy government site, your tolerance for errors is going to be higher than it is if you're dealing with a very slick e-commerce site where you're, tr you're, you're trying to make sure that you're getting every record. Um, so we have tolerance thresholds that you can set based on how many errors you expect, how many page loads you expect, how many actions you expect, how many data rows, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And then um, because uh, we are automation experts, we know that you can never, ever automate 100%. We have a robust scripting engine in normal uh, programming, you can use normal programming languages, Python or C Sharp, if you want object-oriented, high-performance, um, uh, regular expression, JavaScript. You can use normal programming languages that 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 most uh, of your labor uh, engineering staff is going to be familiar with, and you can use that to customize literally anything about your workflow, about your validations, um, and once you set these things. Um, we then have documentation that makes it clearly visible to the end user at any given time in our uh, web portal. You can see exactly what the schema is and what the data validation rules, again, in a very simple, easy to comprehend UI. So the answer to the to the to the kind of um, the judgment questions, the the you know having to make these judgments when you're cleaning the data, the answer is that you guys you sit down with the client at the at the beginning of the project, or mm -hmm. or, or the, the client makes the the client makes that judgment overall, and then you will run it for all of the data on an ongoing basis. So That's correct. And if, for example, one of the checks is, do you allow a null in this field? Right. And sometimes there are valid cases, but you don't you don't see that until three months into the project. So in that case, when we hit that snag, uh, you know, the, the, the agent is automatically opening a ticket and saying, hey, there's all these, you know, there's all these null values in this column. And you say that there's no nulls allowed. Um, you know, we immediately communicate to the client that day, that hour. I think we need to change this requirement for this case with screenshots, you know, so it's very quick. They know yeah. immediately what the what the the use case is and they can make a decision and tell us exactly what they want to do. And we have a ticketing system built in. It's integrated to streamline all of this communication. Um, 
it, these things are all important. Uh, you need to have really all of these things working together to have a reliable, high quality operation service. And so just to lay out how the relationship works, you have, for example, a hedge fund who is a client, let's say you are doing either an ongoing ongoing service or a, or a bespoke project. I don't know if it's different. But anyway, you have a hedge fund, and they, they can bring the data to the table. So they've got um, a number of streams of data, which is messy, or which um, they're struggling to to work with, and do they then bring that data to you, and and you will run that through your automation software in order to clean it, um, or would they come to you for the data in the first place? Exactly how does how does that relationship with the client work? So, with SEC governed institutions, they don't tell us a lot about what they have or what they're doing with the data that we give them. So they basically come to us with a set of requirements. And either they're going to license our software to do all of this work in-house, or they're going to um, uh, give us requirements for data they want us to uh, you run through uh, you know, a process. And it could be that they make data available to us. They want us to clean up uh, what we call historicals. Um, and, and we can do that. It's usually a one-time process. Um, but then ongoing, uh, we usually are sourcing the data from uh, live websites. Scraping. Oh, I see. Oh, sorry, I'm being slow. So potentially this could be, um, you know, it could be the latest financial figures that are, I mean, could it like, for example, it could, could be stock market prices as they, as they come out. Um, then that, and they want they want those stock market prices in order to understand what's what's going on with it, um, and but it can it comes in a very noisy way. So you you they can use you as a kind of like a funnel to yep. scoop all that stuff up, clean it, make it manageable at the same time, and then it comes out mm -hmm. their end in a in a much more easy to to maneuver. They get and... a very structured, very predictable um, data feed uh, that conforms to their requirements. And uh, this is a very difficult task. Uh, DJ Patel, who was the uh, chief data scientist for the U.S. Um, under Obama, he said 80% of the work that data scientists have to do is cleaning and just prepping the data. Yeah. Um, so you know, for that for that step where they actually uh, get some insights or get some value out of this data, that's where we play. We take that 80 percent uh you know that 80 percent case and we automate that in a way that's trustworthy reliable transparent and auditable and we are obsessed with simplifying so we have point and click automation for 95 percent of what you have to do is is done through point and click through reusable um uh automation components that are tried and true and hardened over the last decade. We have uh, a full audit trail. So for example, if your governance, if you have data governance and your compliance team has to uh, go through a regular process of reviewing what you're doing in your data operation, we have a full visual audit trail. So a non-technical compliance user can log into the system and can literally see um, what's happening. Is there a certain type of hedge fund that would use you? 
So far, most of our customers have been in the fundamental quantumental space, but we are backed by WorldQuant Ventures, which is the VC arm of a quantitative and systematic hedge fund. They're the ones that found the software and flew the founders to New York. Um, so there's really a use case for any type of investment shop. It's just a matter of who has found us. Um, you know, we've been uh, mainly bootstrapped. We took a we took a small investment from WorldQuant, but for the most part, we've been a bootstrapped startup, which means that every dollar that we spend, we have to generate. Um, you know, so our, we haven't spent anything on marketing. It's all word of mouth, really, for us. It's, you know, nice. um, and te teams that discover our tech and our operation um, realize uh, the value that we bring. I mean, we just, you know, we really make people look good inside these hedge funds because their their analysis is better than anyone else's because their data, their data is rock solid. How does it work with um, with ownership of data? We give them if they're if they're paying for bespoke um, data collection, we give them a hundred percent ownership of what we call the processed data. So, you know, this is an interesting question, the ownership question in, in this field, right? This is public data. It's sure. in the public domain and therefore who owns it, right? But once you've, once you've done something to it, it's got new value. Once it's processed data, then it's actually a thing that could be owned. Mm. So, and not all of our, not all of our customers, you know, we come, we come to each customer with a, uh, a generic form agreement which says that we have uh, a right to resell this data and you know 80% of them strike that and say we want um, we want exclusive ownership and we say okay <laughs> but you know some of them you know we 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 do we do retain we do retain ownership and that 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 can also impact price you know it's a discussion. Uh, some it used to be in in 2018. There's different trends that are that are, you know, changes in this industry that are that have been happening very very quickly, right? In 2018, uh, the vast majority of um, funds that I spoke to, their lawyers were saying we can't deal with this at all. You have to outsource all the collection, and that was their compliance strategy, right? And because uh, they were worried, you know, with being a fund with deep pockets that the head, that the websites might come to them and say, you've caused me to spin up more servers. You now have to give me money for that expense. Yeah. Right. So we've, we've actually led the charge with um, FISD, which is the financial information standards division to define um, guidelines, what we call considerations uh, for web data collection operations. Um, which really distinguish the good actor from the bad actor. And they give compliance teams a framework for thinking about how to define uh, a compliance strategy so that you can actually um, have an internal team. Uh, and, and now that's working in our favor because people are licensing our software. Have you found a way to automate that? Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you have. Well, yeah. I mean, not, not only did we bring our own operating guidelines to that, uh, to that effort, um, 
but every step of the way where industry leaders um, added their two cents to those operating guidelines, we've immediately rolled them into our platform. So um, I, I think unique, I think Sequentum uniquely has a framework for managing compliance risk built into the platform um, because really no one really, you know, with my background in quality assurance, it's really all risk management, right? So we, and we're and quality assurance is very focused on standards. So from day one, really, we were um, obsessed with minimizing this risk. Um, obviously, it's a risk to the to Sequentum as well. It's our an existential risk if things go wrong, right? Sure. Um, so we 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 worked with uh, you know FISD, which is a the financial division of SIA, which is a much larger. Um, standards body. We worked with this nonprofit entity to define these standards, and we're rolling those out. Um, starting a webinar series, uh, January twentieth, twenty first, and uh, and and we've worked across the industry to define uh, written considerations that are now published on the the FISD site. So, we've given these compliance teams a real structure and a framework to think about what the risks are and how to mitigate them and an action plan for um, actually mitigating them and monitoring the risk. And this, this helps us because uh, now hedge funds are licensing our software um, and running it internally, um, which, you know, selling software um, is, uh, is obviously a lot more profitable for us than, than selling bespoke um, data subscriptions. Um, so this is a this is a really good uh, good turn of events for for Sequentum. So selling software would be um, that you would train them up in how to use it. So all of the at the moment, for example, with bespoke, then you're gonna they're gonna ask you to to um, either find the data or they'll give you the data and then and then you clean it under their guidelines. But with selling the software, you're essentially giving them the reins and training them in how to make the guidelines themselves and read the warnings when things change and stuff like that. That's correct. And we have YouTube videos and we have a training class, right? With my background in education technology, of course, we have uh, an online training uh, program, um, which you can send your staff through the training program and they can get certification and put badges on their LinkedIn. Um, That's coming out this quarter. Um, we have a, uh, you know, very in-depth, uh, support manual, which is actually public, um, which gives, uh, you know, there's animated GIFs showing how to do everything. Uh, it's backed by YouTube videos that, that show in more detail with voiceover, um, how to do everything. We have webinars. Um, so there's a big focus on, um, training the teams that need to know, uh, on, you know, how to really stand up these operations. And we have, we have customers that have heard of us through word of mouth and they come, uh, they come to us and within weeks have a successful, reliable, trustworthy, trustworthy data operation stood up, signed off on by their lawyers and operating on their own infrastructure. 
Sarah, you touched on, and we, we're reaching the end of our time, but you t- just one thing, just, uh, just to chase that one thing which you touched on, which is that alternative data and, and hedge funds is, is really just the beginning because they had the ability to move fastest and the deepest immediate pockets. But, mm-hmm. that the, but the future lies in potentially in the corporate world. And, um, and was it private equity, the other one you said? Uh, where, mm-hmm. where do you see the where do you see the the future where do you see the the the, the advances happening and, and and the expansion so uh, many corporates are starting to fund uh internal data operations to help their uh decision making be more data driven right there's this digital transformation that's happening now that that actually has budget and skilled teams being applied to it um, so that we have we f- we have a very tight fit there, um, but the other side of it is a lot of these hedge funds um, can monetize data that corporates have, and that you know corporations haven't been able to structure or make their internal data accessible to hedge funds. It's been too hard, and they didn't don't know how um, that. You know, there's there's that direction as well, where these investment shops are going to be able to pull more of the data that uh, corporations have um, into their investment theses. So it's it's really there's a um, there's a convergence not just in the uh, technical platform to handle this type of work and simplify it and make it uh, achievable in a predictable way. Um, but there's also just the evolution and maturity of decision-making processes that are going to allow, uh, there's going to be more of a demand uh, and more of a, an open market for these data sets. And corporations are going to be able to, to join in and monetize the data that they have from their normal data oper- daily operations. Fantastic. And mm-hmm. tomorrow, the world. <laughs> well, today, the world, really. It's, you know, most of these teams are playing catch up to be honest they they come to us and they're they're just desperate for a solution and we can get them up and running um in a matter of weeks and save them you know if they've been trying this for a year or two years or even a decade um uh, we can save them on labor costs because of all the automation that's built in we can save them on infrastructure cost because we have uh, such an efficient platform um, and we can save them on compliance risk. Brilliant. Sarah, I think it's it's a very important part of the market you're in, perhaps uh, an area of the market which is which is less understood. Um, but as you've as you've touched on, I've, I think the number of people that can use you is is kind of endless. And as as we become more kind of data driven every day as a society, then um, then the more cleaning will be required and 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 the more of your more of your services. So um so yeah, I think it's a really, really interesting company, really well positioned. Um, and thank you very much for 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 turning up and, and telling my listeners about it. Thank you so much for having us, Mark. Really appreciate it.